You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back. And I guess kind of some big news this week. I heard you moved up in stakes uh, for the first time in Houston, at least. Yeah, it kind of naturally happened. Uh, the new club in College Station, which, I mean, I'll tell you what, like, I can't say enough about how good this club is. Texas Avenue Social. I mean, in, you're in Houston, so you have all these amazing clubs. It's really nice to have, like, a super nice club to go at. And they have been running 5-5. Five, five. So I ended up, I called in with no intention, but ended up on the 1-3 and the 5-5 five, five list. And ended up playing 1-3 for about two to three hours. The 5-5 five, five was filled. They keep the 5-5 five, five very full. Uh, and... Once there was a seed, I was kind of hesitant, but I was like, I was like, well, I kind of want to take my shot. I kind of want to see what it's like over there, because I mean, if it's a right table, it could be very profitable in the long run. Uh, and I tell you what, it was. I, I think I'm always scared of going to one three, and you get like, because you get the occasion, you get the fish and all that. Going to five five and actually being the fish <laughs> is not something I'm looking to do. But it was a ton of action. I mean, it was people looking to gamble. So, which is the type of table I really love to see. Absolutely. So, but you said when you bought in, you were pretty severely uh, short stacked, right? Yeah, I go in there and I've been doing good at 1 3. So, I, I think I'd, I'm sure I bought in for like 400 and I was, I think I had it at like 550. I mean, nothing crazy, but. A little profitable. I go over there and I'm like, well, I add another hundred or two hundred. I think I added another hundred. So I was like at six fifty. I was like, that's fine. No, you know, the men the buy-in's probably normal buy-in's five hundred. I sit down. Like the least stacked on that table was like fifteen hundred or something. I mean, the shortest stack had me over doubled. I was like, oh god, I, what, what in God's name did I just come to? <laughs> it's always kind of funny when you're the new person, you sit down, you see a gigantic raise and then you're just like, Ooh, time for me to go back to one, three, <laughs> just not even take it out of the rack and just tell you to take me off the list, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't know what was going on over here. <laughs> you're like, uh, these guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then I was seeing like all these pots, like I saw like four pots in a row where I would have been all in. I was like, Oh, Oh, good God, man. That's kind of one of the things like, when you play in a game that that you're like the short stack like that, I've noticed is like you don't want to get the a disaster is when you get in a multi way pot and you kind of end up in the crossfire of being all in now, but your your stack is so short to the pot that they're still playing, so it's like you just naturally end up all in so early. Yeah, cool. Because okay, even like the, okay, let's say the play is crazy. That's great. You're gonna, you will be profitable in the long run, but the variance is. I mean, you're basically playing one hand, and you know, like a lot of it's PLO where it's draw heavy. If you don't hit, I mean, guess what? It's easy to miss three draws in a row, and be in for you know my normal, you know, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. 
and be just getting crushed and we'll, we'll come over here and crying about it on the podcast <laughs> and being like, Tyler, I suck at this game again. <laughs> well, it's kind of like also, um, I mean, the variance will even out, but it never evens out if you have no money and you're driving home. Yeah, very true. So, I mean, it's, uh, but yeah, it was really a, it's been kind of a cool experience to kind of move up. I mean, especially like I had barely ever played anything other than one, three, then Vegas, I take shots at two five. Then I come here and somehow think I'm a five five player. I mean, God knows, I might be. You might see me on, you know, Mariano's vlog like five ten or ten twenty uh, tomorrow. At this point, I seem to be out of control. I mean, it has to kind of. Are you at least concerned with your bankroll when moving up? Because I know, I mean, one three are pretty. I mean, pretty much set, right? But one three. I mean, yeah, I would take. I guess. As long as you're a profitable player, I mean, it would be very hard for me to go, you know, bankrupt at 1-3. Uh, 5-5, five, five, yeah, it is a concern. Uh, I think it's too profitable not to play here and there. It's just, uh, I don't think I'm super short for it, but it, it's it, it's definitely on the upper end of that spectrum. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a concern. I will say that especially when they're doing round of each that's to me is whenever it can get a little bit dicey because that's i mean the most variance right it is but like i say there's a lot of high low in there which act which is actually probably less variance than hold them right now i was thinking plo high oh on the plo high i mean yeah i'm yeah no i'm shitting my bridges <laughs> so. <laughs> as far as rolled for that clip, i don't even have enough assets counting my house for that uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's PLO high, I mean, it could be 1312, and I might not be bankrolled for that. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting because I know, I mean, when you move up, I mean, you move up whenever you're, you know, you're obviously bankrolled for your game, and then you move up, but you're way less bankrolled for that game when you move up. That's the whole, you know, point for moving up, right? Yeah, and I still want to mix in a lot of 1312 because, I mean, okay, I did this to shot take. Kind of, and then I haven't, every time I've gone there, it's been 5-5 five, five now, so not what I was, that's not what I was planning, but I don't know, it, it's very hard. I mean, if you have the ability to go to a game that is a lot more profitable, the fee, because it's not only that the one, that it's bigger stakes than 1-3, a lot of times the game has been better, so I mean, if it's a profitable 5-5, five, five, and I mean, it's been very good to me so far. It's, uh, so, then like I say, I'm not short, short on it, but is it a concern in the long run on a downswing that this could hurt me? A hundred percent. Right, because I mean, you know, I mean, going on a 10, 10 buy and downswing is very possible. I mean, it's happened to everyone. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, it wouldn't break me, but it'd hurt me. I'm sure I'd hear about it. Oh, God, you're going to hear so much about it. Hey, you are not going to be a happy person. If I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to make sure you're miserable right with me. Sounds like you're going to start hearing from me after two buying down swing. <laughs> we all have leaks in our game. We know that one of my leaks is not taking a downswing very well. <laughs> I I admit that. But, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it... We're gonna have to see. Uh, I guess time will tell on how profitable it is and how it how it uh how it just affects how the bankroll manages it and all of that. 
it's but well like i say i want to mix i still want to be i would like to do like maybe 50 percent one three and then 50 percent five five and i think that would be about perfect right and super uh cool hearing that called stations getting games running regularly i think at the beginning of this podcast not you know at episode what four or five we were talking about how new rooms were just opening up and you were happy to hear that poker was coming more to your side of town oh yeah well i mean you know you just shot at like on on our hourlies are pretty comparable right right and on our bankrolls you murdered me because you get to play so much more than me because remember we're only about nine months away from there being only one room to play in college station it being open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in which Friday was tough. Saturday's a, n- a no-go. And, I mean, Wednesdays and Thursdays, if it's the only two days of the week, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Now, there's officially, like, four rooms. With Texas Avenue, the most recent one, being by far the super nice one. Uh, and I'll tell you what, like, like I say, does a great job. The guy who I, I'd played with them before... And when he opened it, I knew he, like, was really good in construction. He has, like, his own company and all that. And I, I had, had no doubt that it was going to be good that way. But as far as I know, it had no dealer experience, no running a game experience. Uh, it was, like, a like to play poker a lot. But I wouldn't say like me and you like just kind of obsessed with the little details. And I don't, I don't see him, like, watching five straight hours of vlogs like me and you will do or going on crush live and watching three of their super dry but very informative videos uh so i was kind of worried i was like eh it might be nice but is it going to be run well tell you what that game is run so well the attention to detail in that room is amazing it's kind of interesting to see like from a poker mind running a room to someone with a very uh high-level business mind running a room yeah i mean you can tell there's some people are really really good at what they do as far as business sense and at the end of the day it's just another business i mean you have all the customer service and all the details of that so i having the ability to play because it doesn't matter how good you are if you have no ability to play you're not gonna be profitable (laughs) yeah true so it's uh so that's been really good for us uh so it's been nice. Now, with the bankroll stuff, I've noticed this. And this is kind of a leak that I used to have in Hold'em. I don't know if it's a leak or not. But once I get to a certain point, especially, let's say I buy in for 600 and I go up to 2000 I don't get skittish there. But once I get down, but like say I hit like a stumbling block and I get down to 1000 I've been real bad. I mean, I don't know if it's bad, but I want to cash out. Uh, I hate going from that profitable session to the un to unprofitable. Even though, really, in all honesty, it should be more about the time that you're playing, the game that you're playing, and you know your odds are no worse than it, than they were before. But now I feel a little more protective of my wins, and I think that could be a pretty big leak in my game. Well. I guess here's how I would maybe think of it. Um, Jonathan Little says something pretty interesting. I've heard probably a year ago now. Um, Just because your hourly is what it is, if you're not playing, 
how you would play to keep that hourly, that hourly is not really your hourly. So like, let's say you showed up and you were drunk, right? And then, but you, let's say you're making, let's just say $20 an hour, right? Whenever you're sober and playing, but you show up and you drink and you're thinking that you're gonna make $20 an hour. You're not going to make $20 an hour. Cause that's, you're not playing at that level. Same thing as if like, if you show up and you have a bad headache and all of a sudden you're playing differently because uh, I kind of feel like if you want it, if your mind is trying to leave and you're playing differently just because you're profitable playing, if you're adjusting your game for something that's more is less profitable, I feel like maybe getting them leaving is the move. Well, I mean, that's a good point. Cause, okay, let's say, let's say someone, I'm not saying me or you, but let's say right. their average is 20 an hour. Sure. Uh, so what you're really saying is their average is 20 an hour, but when they're playing their best, they're probably making 40 an hour. And when they're playing their worst, they're probably just a break-even player. So really by just eliminating when you're playing your worst, you're actually just moving up your hourly a little bit. Well, I mean, that's kind of like, so like you say you kind of play, would you say it's worse? Would you say you play worse because you're protecting it? Like you will sometimes, if the call is correct, you know is correct, but you will sometimes not make it to protect that lead or that profit. I will say it's worse if I know like I wasn't playing well. Like if I, if I just got coolered or something, then it kind of is what it is. But if I did things that I know I should have done better, and then at that point I think it can be a little worse. I mean, because that was kind of my, well, not my thing, but this is kind of something I've learned. I mean, I guess I've kind of known it, but just reiterate it is I feel like my hourly is what it is. And then when the sessions become too long, I start to play worse. And that hourly definitely go takes a hit because you start getting too loose pre-flop. You start making a few loose calls. You, you know, you just kind of, your mind kind of wanders and you're kind of not really playing your best. So to say your hourly is something when you're playing your best, but if you notice it starts to dip back down whenever you're, for whatever reason, you're tired, you're hungry, you want to leave. I would say leaving is not a bad thing at all. Yeah, it's it's something I've noticed. It's something I noticed when I was at two five over in Vegas too. So it's, I don't know. I mean, and here's the thing. Like, and again, I don't think it's the best way to think about it. But okay, let's say I'm up. I was up thirteen, fourteen hundred, and I come back down, and I'm like down up two fifty. Well. Let's say two fifty a day. I mean, I was like, if I average that every time I went in there, it'd be amazing. So I kind of like, well, you know, it might not be a much. It's not. It's not a huge for any great session. But I mean, if I average two fifty every time I went in there, played five days a week. I mean, you're looking at almost four thousand. Well, almost exact a little over four thousand. A month, I'm like, oh, that's still pretty good. So, I, but that being said, the time you want to get the hours in, because if you're averaging, if you're averaging, let's say 25 an hour, you want to get as many hours in as possible. So, I, I guess they're both good and bad, right? Yeah, it's kind of like gotta walk that fine line. So, but it's just something I've noticed that I hadn't noticed before in a while. Uh. One thing I was going to talk about that, like I say, you really taught me is I have been bluffing more and more. 
and it is working amazingly. But see, I think you're bluffing differently than I'm bluffing, which is kind of what's interesting. Am I bluffing differently? I feel like our I feel like my bluffs are very. Well, how are you bluffing usually? I mean, are you just <laughs> uh, like I am kind of looking at situations like what? Well, it's amazing how when you're not thinking about bluffing that much beforehand, you don't really see all the opportunities. But once you start, I mean, like those scare cards and like how they run out are just so apparent. Right, especially like when that top card on the flop changes, you know, an over comes on the turn and then, you know, you just put your three barreling shoes on and you're ready to just pew, 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 <laughs> the whole <laughs> way through. So it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I was always under the impression like one, three, people can't fold hands and you should just be value betting. I still think that's 90% of it. Uh, but I will say, man, the bluff here and there, if it's in the right situation, like you say, like scare cards, if you put someone on top pair and the flush draw hits, uh, or something like that, just whenever the board gets scary, not everybody. Some people are just never folding, and if you're trying to bluff them, that's, a, that's on you. But I have noticed this is actually something pretty damn profitable in the long run as well. So my thing when I say that we bluff differently is we both bluff at, you know, like you were saying, different turn cards and stuff. But oftentimes I'll bluff. And when I get caught, because you sound like you haven't been caught yet, right? Right. I get caught constantly, right? No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got you. No, I see your point. But I'm, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call that super profitable getting caught constantly. <laughs> But yeah. I'm using these bluffs um, as not insurance, but kind of like putting money in the bank to where whenever – actually, it's the exact opposite of putting money in the bank. But I'm using that as to build like credit towards whenever I overbet the river that it could be a bluff or it could be you know a nutted hand. And I'm going to get called or paid off a lot lighter a lot of the time. Okay, well, this leads to another topic on this, is uh, showing the bluff versus not showing the bluff. Because it seems like if you're bluffing, you're just going to show it every single time. Me, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess, I'm guessing part of it is, like you say, you're you're kind of building it to where you get paid off for your big hands. I mean, part of it, especially with certain type of people... If they know you're capable of bluffing, and they know the minute they fold, you're showing it, I mean, their pride might have them calling stuff they shouldn't be calling. Because, you know, nobody wants to fold the hand and have some jackass with a table of hand that should never be in there and be like, ha, 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 took one off of you. So if really, in all honesty, the way the way you're doing it, it's almost like you almost really need to show the bluff. Right, because I had one where I had a hand I should never have. I think I had 6-9 offsuit, right? And then put in a bluff on some guy <laughs> called a fat sounds dice. <laughs> You're right. We do bluff differently. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I ended up taking down a big pot on the river, um, representing a flush. And uh, he folded, 
and I showed the bluff. Obviously, I told him, I said, good work, dealer, because that got dicey quick. <laughs> showed him the 6 9 I was like, that seemed like those guys were serious. <laughs> yeah. i tell you what, I've done it a couple times, and I'm like, I don't know how people are responding to Tyler. They're not responding well when I do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, um, it's not great. It makes for a very awkward concession after that. Yeah, but, you know, I bluff everyone, so it's fine. Or, like, I'll try. It's not like I'm singling anyone out, yeah. you know, or showing versus one person, not versus others. But, you know, I mean, that's just the nature of, I mean, but, and then here's something else I've been doing, which has been surprisingly profitable, is bluffing small, making it look like value two sometimes oh yeah i can see well i can see okay well we always like like one of my big things is from the ed miller book of the threshold so and it's got the threshold of nobody like if somebody has top pair and they're just not capable of folding it you should never try to bluff them off of it but same thing with the hands they're willing to call with so if somebody is never capable of betting of calling ace high, if you could throw a small bet out there, I mean, you could you could just rack up money. I mean, you could bet 15%, 20% a pot, and if they're not going to call with that hand, I mean, and you only have to get that through, very few for that to be profitable. That's a... As it, and you're saying it has been pretty profitable for you? Yes, and I'm thinking... Definitely think they're not, uh, they have better than ace high based on their reactions. So, <laughs> I mean, definitely not trying to get ace high to fold. But I mean, like, when the flush comes in, and I'm pretty sure they're on, like, a king, because king's a top card or whatever, and I couldn't get them off of it. And then representing the flush and then betting pretty small, hoping that they pay it off. Well, hoping they pay it off, but making it look like I hope they pay it off. Um, that's been pretty profitable because good players. You know, I mean, that just reeks of value. I mean, when you bet one-third pot when the front door flush comes in and they're sitting there with top pair mediocre kicker. God, yeah, I guess a third pot would be, yeah, I think 20% of pot would be too small unless you are trying to get, like, just bigger, like, ace high or something to fold. Uh, 30%, I can see that. I mean, that's that's big, because that, you're right, that's big enough that you're not getting, they're getting good pot odds, but nothing crazy. And it looks so value heavy. And then when you turn that bluff over, you're getting a lot of calls after uh, that. Oh, yeah. I can definitely see that. And so it's, huh, uh, yeah, I will say, like, I'm glad I added this to my game because it's been, and not, not to mention, like, say, like you say, a lot of fun to pull off a bluff. Way more fun than just grinding it out to no end. And, uh I had only said it's just like something that I hadn't done that much and I had been profitable, so I didn't feel the need to add that into the arsenal. But I have found that it is you've got me sold on it. I think I think it should be rare. I don't I definitely don't think you should be <laughs> Tyler's like rare like eighty percent of the time I'm in a hand. Uh that's twenty percent I'm just doing nothing, so yeah. Uh <laughs> So I'm I'm only doing it once or twice, maybe a session, probably even less than that, really. But I definitely find it super uh, super profitable in the long run to do this. Well, my whole thing was acting like getting caught bluffing is a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I mean, now I mean in the moment it's not great, 
but the information it gives for people to now call you light, you can use in your advantage as well. Well, I think we also need to clarify that this that would only really come into play if you're either playing a super long session or you're playing with people that you play with a lot, right? Yes, but I mean, even if you see, even if you're playing a two-hour session with someone, if they see you bluff early on in the session, I mean, I just think you're going to get lighter calls in general. I mean, I get lighter calls all the time. Like you said, I'll get calls by stuff that you would never get called by. Oh, 100% you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably more, yeah, probably definitely, uh, it's probably even better for me because my group of players that I play with is so, so much smaller than yours that everybody's going to see that everybody's going to remember it. And so, yeah, that's no, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You can try mixing it in, but there's different ways to mix it in, mix it in, you know, hoping not to get caught or mixing it in to get caught and then get value later. So, Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, so I'm going to do that. Uh, went to, let me see what else happened. Uh, so I use you, oh, good Lord, <laughs> just all kinds of problems. Uh, as you know, me and you were watching the Ben Deach vlog and he said he was going to the lodge. Lodge is only like an hour, hour, 10 minutes away from me. It was a place I was playing at a whole lot before college station started to open up more and more rooms. So I'm like, it's on a weekday. We both work weekends. I'm like, ooh, I don't have to take off work or what it, or any of that. And I haven't been to the lodge forever in a day. So I go there. It's a Tuesday. If you've never been to the lodge on a Tuesday, there's no more packed poker place than the lodge. Because they run this free roll that gets, oh, yeah. it's like 140, 150 people in it. And then you have all the just crazy cash games that's there. So I go there, and I'm playing. And as I'm playing, I'm looking for Ben Deach, looking. But there's a thousand tables. Never see him. I was like, and I like, I find it weird being a grown man going asking <laughs> if another grown man's playing poker. I find that super weird. So I wasn't gonna go ask about it, but it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but I just sat there and played. I ended up with a three hundred dollar win on a decently tough table too. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call it good and be there. <laughs> it's pretty funny to go up to the floor. Is Ben Deach here? What, you know him? No? Are you, guys, you guys aren't friends? No, I just I just saw him on the internet. I want to go say hi. I mean, which, okay, everybody <laughs> who's going to a meetup game right. would be doing that. But, I mean, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't, mi- I don't mind going to the meetup games. I love going to the meetup games. Uh, but just going and asking... I don't know. It seems like an awkward question to ask, but yeah, I don't know. So, but uh, I was, uh, and then he came out with his next vlog that he had jury duty or something. So I was like, well, whatever. I really like going to the lodge anyway, so it gave me an excuse to go. Oh, and rumor has it they're expanding that place, which I know you've never been there. This place is freaking huge. I heard they bought bought out like the place next to it, and. It's going to be, I mean, the tournaments they're going to be running are just gigantic. It's going to be, I think, one of the biggest places to play poker in Texas. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they seem to be getting all the right people there, too, right, on their live stream, that the gigantic live stream. They're getting all the vloggers, all the, you know, just seems like everything's going very well for them. Yeah, uh, I definitely think it's become the place to play. Man, I love the fact that that live stream, them constantly getting the vloggers out there, I find that so fun and interesting. 
Uh, so that's they're uh, they just continue to do everything just really the right way. So I don't know. I wish it was a little bit closer and they would get a lot more of my business. Absolutely. So uh, let's see. So that's kind of it for what's been. Oh no, I want to go over one hand. I was over at five five, and this this is not gonna make me look good. Yeah, so when you told me, and I was like, yikes, <laughs> whenever this, you call me on the phone with it. This is going to make the listeners wonder why I'm playing 5-5. Five five. Wait, wait, but it'll let them know 5-5 five five is greatly profitable. Yeah, because of people <laughs> <guy>. like me. <laughs> okay, so I have, it's not even going to start out well. I have, we're playing PLO high. Uh, I have three, four, six, seven. <laughs> Obviously, I called. Uh... Because who's folding three, four, six, seven? Uh, which I mean can make a lot of straights. I don't mind it as a hand. I mean, I wish the were they were a little bit higher, but <laughs> well, shit happens. You can only play what you're dealt. Uh, it's basically limps around for the entire table, and the flop comes five, three, nine. I flop just insane amounts of draws. Uh, I'm looking for like the six, the any eight, any of that. So, I, so the, what was it? Early position, early position bets 30. One person calls and I call. I'm like, well, I've got a ton of outs here. On the turn, it comes a seven. I'm in early position. I check. I'm like, I, two, I'm like, can I never hit a draw? The next player bets 100. The other player calls. I'm like, I still have a lot of outs. So the 7 did not give you a straight. The 7 gave you more outs, correct? In my mind at this point, yes. Okay, I thought so. That's yeah. Right. I was, so, was going to say, okay, right. I don't want to ruin your story. Continue. Yeah. I was I, like, I No, was well, like, everybody's wondering this. Anybody who knows play course is like, what the hell's happening here? <laughs> so... They bet a, he bets a hundred. The other guy calls. I'm like, ooh, I got odds to kind of draw this uh, straight. Well, I'm looking at my hand and I'm I'm debating on like, uh, there's only one card to come. Well, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I did not, I hit the straight. I hit the nut straight. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So I'm like, so I go from like, oh wait. So I keep looking back and forth at the PLO hand to that hand, one to make sure it's a nut straight, one to make sure I didn't think I had a straight, to make sure that I actually do have a straight, and then realize I have the nuts on this hand that I was about to call or fold with, and now it's two to a flush. It's uh, both two spades and two clubs out there. I'm like, well, calling's off the table. There's way too many draws out there. I have the nuts. I jam it in for 600. They both tank fold. So they both had shitloads of outs. But that's how good of a PLO player I am. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why can't I hit my draws when I nail them right in the fucking target? <laughs> that's pretty funny. So I'm I'm start looking for those 510 PLO tables. <laughs> this 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 isn't enough. <laughs> Uh, so what have you, how you been running, man? How's, what have you been up to? So I actually went to some new poker rooms this week, which is kind of, kind of fun. Interesting. Right. So I swing by Paramount and they're pretty close to me, but still 88 is closer, but I swing by anyway. I walk in and I immediately notice that instead of those brown little chairs, they have these new fancy chairs. I was like, oh, that's pretty nice. Um, were they a lot more comfortable? Oh yeah. Way more comfortable. That's it. That's it. 
It seems small, but that's a huge thing for a poker room. Yeah, especially if you're going to play for a long time. No kidding. So, um, I just, it's one of those situations where if, when you're running hot, I mean, not much anyone can do, right? Were you running, were you just running insanely hot that night? Yeah, I mean, I was just drilling, I mean, hit sets, and then, you know, I check raised with a flop set on a draw heavy board, turning quads once all the money gets all in, and I mean, stacking two people at the same time kind of thing. You're never sad to have quads. Yeah, very rare you lose with quads. So, I mean, you know, stack those, you know, but, I mean, you're running hot when you just get all the money in and drill your hand. So, I mean, I, I hit that hand, and then I got it all in with ace-king versus kings and lost. I was like, well, I mean, I can't can't complain after, you know, hitting all my big hands and then losing once. Like, it's fine. Oh, so, I'm pretty sure I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, that's a uh, that's pretty good. Well, did you have a pretty decent profit that night? Um, pretty decent in profit. I think I won like two buy-ins at the one two games. So that was nice. And then I was like, man, what 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 are your buy-ins? Like, are you buying in? Were you were you buying in for two hundred? Uh, three hundred. Three hundred. So okay. I made a little bit over seven. So shit, that's not a bad night. That's pretty. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. So I was like, well, this is great. So then I went to. I was like, you know, I've been on the new. Now you went to that new room. I was like, I'll go to another new room. So I was like, we went to the hideaway, and I was like. I look on the poker atlas, I see they have two games running, and I was like, well, I'll just go there. You know, might as well. Well, we went that once, and I was severely impressed about how nice that room was, so I was glad to see you get some bit, I'm glad to see you give them some business. Well, my whole thing was, it wasn't, um, I wanted to see them, because when we went, it was kind of in the middle of the day. I wanted to go kind of during prime hours. Right. So I went, I see the 1-3 game going, I buy in for 500, I have my chips in my hand. And then the game breaks before I sit down. I was like, oh, man, they had two open seats. And now I went from being walking onto the table to now not playing. Right now I'm on the list. I'm like, this is not great. Yeah. And not only is it not great, the new game I'm going to is a 1-1 game. 1-1. That is, I find that weird that it was a 1-1 game, especially with one game going. Well, but I think it was someone was running like more of a private game kind of thing, but the stacks were super deep, so it played basically like a 1-3 game. I have played in some 1-1 one, one, one games like that before. Uh, I mean, huh. I bought him for 5, and I was not the deepest stack, so. That is so weird to be that deep stacked at 1. I mean, at least make it 1-2. I mean, I don't think you need a $1,500 stack size at 1-1. One, one. It just seems kind of crazy to me. Right, but I guess if the open size is 15, it doesn't kind of ceases to matter, right? Kind of like a blindless game almost, which is kind of weird, but... Yeah, that's kind of my thinking. I'm like, okay, well... I don't think my open size is ever to 15 in, if it's 1-1. I mean, I'm, I'm paying 15 to steal the blinds at, for $2. I mean... But you're paying one one, or you're paying 15 to see it multi-way, so... Yeah, I was like, I think my opens, I would think my open size would be like more to five, like five or six or something like that, right? Um, not if you're not getting any folds. You kind of have to play your table, right? I mean, if you bet fifteen and the whole table calls, I guess so. Yeah, right? I guess I mean, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, if you bet five, you might get laughed out the door. So, well, I don't want to get laughed out the door, <laughs> so I guess I'm betting fifteen. <laughs> no one, no one wants to be that guy. 
<laughs> I was like, I came to play, not, not get laughed out the door. <laughs> yeah, came to play, not get bullied, shit. <laughs> yeah, so if you were playing a my one one game and you bet five, I'd bully you. No. Uh, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to bet five and be like, hey, get the fuck out of here, clown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. But, well, pretty tough 1-1 one, one game because I got destroyed in that 1-1 one, one game. <laughs> They, uh, I ended up, I mean, just PLO coolers, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's really a cooler playing bad, but I ended up with... You told me what you had. I mean, you had second nuts to the nuts like three times. They were definitely coolers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically just turning a boat to someone's bigger boat. I mean... Yeah, when I had blockers to the nuts, but that's fine. Um, so that's how you. <laughs> it, it sounds real fine when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. All I learned is if you have second nuts, you should fold. Um, but yeah, that's how you lose a thousand dollars in a one-one game. Well, shit. That's Maybe a... I should bet five. Get laughed out. And go home. Yeah, uh, yeah. No shit. <laughs> Maybe that overrate should be to five. <laughs> yeah, so I guess who am I to critique? You would have lost three hundred and thirty-three dollars. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I mean, that was interesting i guess i didn't like it much um and then i <laughs> went to uh so i said well i'm going back to you know where where i've been playing so i went back to 88 because like these one one games tough yeah that's <laughs> uh, yeah that's pretty tough sounds horrible and um i guess uh we have the notes for the the seven eight or sorry uh six seven spades hand the six seven oh the six seven spades hand yeah, I got it right here. So, because this one, this one I found super interesting. So I have six, seven of spades in the big blind. Um, villain raises a twenty. We get two callers, counting myself. So someone called. I said this seems reasonable to call tag along with, especially playing deep stack versus the villain. Right. Um, the flop comes eight, eight, nine, two spades. Villain so you, leads out for forty. So, so I, you hit. So you flop open ended straight flush. Yes. Wow. What what a fucking flop, man. Okay, go on. So, um, what's it called? The villain bets forty. The other guy calls the forty. I call the forty. I was like, well, this, you know. And then the other player who called the forty was a high action player. Here's a question. Uh, did you think about re raising? I thought about it. For sure. Then I remember your story of raising draws, and I called. Uh, if you heard my stories, I bet then, yeah, you're <laughs> definitely calling. Call. Okay. Immediately drill the ten of spades out of the blind. So I check it over to the guy. He bet 65. So the, the ten of spades is completing your straight flush. Six, seven, yes. eight, nine, ten of spades. Okay, very nice. <laughs> and I'm so cautious, I'm worried about the other end of the straight flush. But no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that would probably be a cooler. So uh, <laughs> I check into the original Razor. He bets 65. The other guy calls a 65. You love to see that. I mean, not only is someone leading out, but a call as well. So I was like, I kind of want to, I don't want to scare anyone off, right? Right. So I raise it to 200. That seems reasonable, right, to kind of keep everyone in? Yeah, I like it. I think it's pretty, I think that's a good bet. So... I make it 200. The original Razor calls, and the player I wanted in there, I thought, he he folds. The river brings the queen of hearts, so basically a brick, right? Right. What are you doing on this uh, 
river. I'm one, I, I love the check raise on the turn to now have the betting lead. But I think I'm bet. I'm okay. I'm, uh, I definitely think this is time for a big bet because you're so strong here with the big straight flush, and once it goes, your action is so strong on the turn because you go. It goes bet call. You ch you check raise with another guy in there, and then you get called. Now he has to have a pretty big hand to call you there. Right, and my whole thing is the board is eight, eight, nine, ten. But you know the the flush, the front door flush comes in on a paired board. So I'm kind of like, well, I didn't really know what to bet, but I knew I wanted to size up for sure because there's a ton of stuff that could call me, right? So I make it five hundred, and villain is just basically like, mm, I call just basically a snap call and you already know if it's a snap call like that you probably should a bit should... more yeah yeah because and he was just like and he, i guess he had the ace high flush and he was never folding i mean easy to say now that i mean once he snap calls he has the ace high flush but so we got 20 40 60 pre-flop 120 245. Oh, God. Okay. So, so it wasn't quite a pot size bet, it looks like. It was probably like a 75, 80% pot. Right. And the worst part is we were both so deep. Are, we, are you, so, I mean, in now that you know, do you think a jam is just too much if you just jam it in there? I mean, I, I'm not saying I would. I don't think in that situation I would have because I just, I think a lot you're letting he might he might fold an ace high of spades right there because I mean there is a boat out there and I'm trying to get a call here but here's the question is do you think it's a the right move to jam man I think I think the real mistake was not betting a little bit bigger on the turn I would have liked to see a little bit of a bigger bet there I think that's true. Well, I mean, and there's still a lot of bluffs on the turn. Right. Because, I mean, the single ace of spades could do this. I mean, I don't think it should, but it could. I mean, so, uh, Jack, Jack 10, maybe? Wait, uh, it was 8, 9, 10, uh, yeah. Queen Jack with a spade? Right, that would have been. I mean, there's a lot of things that could be. Maybe a little bit bigger on the turn makes sense. I mean, I kind of liked. Well, I kind of liked your raise size though, because I mean, you're kind of ho hoping to keep both of them in there, right? Because uh, let's say both of them call, then that pot's quite a bit bigger, and you end up begging, betting bigger on the river, uh, as well. True. So I think that would have led to a bigger bet on the river as well. And I think five hundred felt like the right bet at the time, but I think it maybe should have been even a little bit bigger. But maybe 500 was just enough to get the ace high flush to call. Mm, oh, I think knowing what he had, I think he could get out more. But I don't know. I'll, I kind of like the way you played it. I mean, I think the turn bet maybe could have been a little bit bigger and the and subsequently the river bet a little bit bigger. I think you definitely could make it pot on the river. I agree. Yeah. So, but Can't play every hand, right? I mean, perfect. So. Well, is that that? Did you hit that the same night you were getting destroyed at Hideaway? Uh, no. 
This oh, was okay. the next day. Yeah. I was like, well, good recovery there. Nice to hit a straight. Always nice to hit a straight flush and get. I mean, I'm just shocked you got paid off. Usually, I get a straight flush or something like that, and I bet twenty, and it's fold, fold, fold. So, I mean, good job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what happened last time I had a straight flush. I flopped a straight flush actually. Um, this was probably a year ago. So, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be holding out to my next one. Uh, <laughs> um, so I guess here's kind of a interesting. Uh, follow-up story to the that guy who was stealing chips last episode you know remember him okay so from what i remember it was a weird like situation where he went to call they he, she, the lady thought he did call he thought he didn't and then ended up awarding her the chips and then tried to steal them back with his arms crossed over right Yes, I feel like that's not doing the story justice. Go back, listen. But <laughs> I mean, oh, it's a super interesting story. But I mean, I, yeah. I didn't want to go all the way into. Yeah. So earlier in the session, that same player was playing with one of, I guess, one of his friends came to the table or whatever, and you know, before his friend came to the table, I actually bluffed him out of his shoes and showed it, and that made him just downright giddy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this player, like, he's like yelling at the dealer one time, and the dude was like. He's like, you need to tell me what they're saying across the table. I can't hear all sorts of stuff. Get into it with the dealer and stuff. And then I showed the bluff and I was like, hey. and then, uh, so then his friend comes to the table <laughs> and then like he went, he wins a decent sized pot. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a crazy pot. He wins a pot and he tells his friend, he says something like, see that that's why you call me the master is what he told his friend. Right. And I was like, Oh God. I was like, could you imagine me and the other friend calling anybody a master? I can't imagine being the guy saying it. I mean, how how big of a jackass do you have to be to be like, they call me the master? I just scoop in 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so now we get tangled up in a hand with him. So, um, I have King Nine offsuit in the big blind. He raises pretty big, right? I mean, for him is big because normally he's not. So okay. he, he raises a twenty. And I look at my hand, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm pretty sure he has, like, ace, king, kings, aces, something like that, right? Okay. But I had to account for the implied odds of the satisfaction of busting him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> so I was like, this is probably a call uh, once you consider the implied odds of the satisfaction. So I call. Okay. Um, another limper calls, right? So you you're in there, uh, twenty dollars, king nine offsuit, and sixty dollars in the pot to the flop. Yes. Okay. The flop comes king eight nine two hearts, and I'm like, we got him. I already know we got him. Oh, flopping two pair, most definitely. Well, especially versus this player who's never gonna have, you know, like nines, eights, something like that. Whenever he raises pre-flop. Right. Little worried about the one pair of pocket kings, but if that happens, that happens, right? Yeah. So I check the limper checks. He leads out for not leads out. He bets sixty, right? I check raise to two hundred. The other guy folds. Villain snap calls. I already know. I mean, well, not to mention you already bluffed him once, right? Because this also comes back to even if he didn't have like a super strong hand. I mean. 
people are going to worry about like you just doing this and showing nothing over and over again. I mean, especially people who are arrogant enough to think of themselves as a master. I'm sure nobody wants to be seen like, you know, folding to another bluff. So, right, especially in front of his friend who just sat down. Right. Right. So, um, the term brings six of clubs. I just jam for like probably 500. And, um, God, it had to have been even a little bit more than that. It was. It was like 850. God almighty. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember now. I jammed for 850, not 500. He snap calls. I turn over King 9. He's like, just heart sinks. You can see. Um, River's a king giving me a boat. And then. But I mean, he snap calls. With Ace King, that is such a, I mean, if you jam for that much, that's kind of a fold, right? Yeah, but I know he's never folding. I well, I, never well yeah. I know from your perspective, yeah. but from his perspective, I mean, that is a gigantic pot with just one pair. Exactly. I mean, how often are you ever going to be good? But, I mean, there are players like that who play nitty, but then will not fold once they hit, when they have the Ace King and hit one of the Ace or the King. Man, that is... I've had a few players... You want to talk about a leak right there. That's That's got to be... I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Ace-King's good on that flop, but not that good. I mean, because there's a lot of things that beat you, like 8, 9, uh, 8, 9s. I mean, I mean, I guess not a lot of things, but <laughs> yeah, given, right. the, given, given <laughs> the action, I mean, uh, I, guess, I guess it being draw-heavy actually helped get the call, though, too. Right, so he calls, and he gets up to walk away, and he says, wait, 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 he might not cover you. So then he counts it all out, and then tosses him one chip back. <laughs> oh, God, that's even better. I, I would actually that rather it be that way. <laughs> and then he takes the one chip and throws it at the dealer and says, put this in your pocket, and storms off. Oh, God, that's awesome. Especially doing it to somebody like that. I mean, good job. <laughs> so, like I, I mean, said, this is the only time I will ever say good job calling a raise king nine offsuit, but good job. <laughs> I told you, you had to take that into uh, account the implied odds, the satisfaction odds. <laughs> so, the satisfaction, oh, this kind of like revenge range, right? But exactly. not revenge, just satisfaction. But the other thing is, if you know the player's never going to fold ace king when they flop a king, I guess, but. I yeah, don't pretty, know, man. That's pretty a bold. pretty yeah. That's pretty light right there. I mean, yeah. They, okay, if they're never gonna fold Ace King, but I mean, calling them with a dominated hand and praying to God that you flop two pair. I guess you could hit trip nines. I, I don't. I don't know what you're going for. Uh, eh, yeah, <laughs> happens every day. So <laughs> I, mean, I was hoping today was one of those every days. Hey, it was good job. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely not profit, but. I don't know. My whole thought was if I happen to hit the hand I hit, he's going to pay it off in full. So, Well, I mean, in theory, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it was $20 to win. Goddamn, I don't even know how much. It was a gigantic amount. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have insane implied odds. So, yeah, I... Yeah, I... You can definitely play looser. I'm not sure what dominated <laughs> hands it usually makes it makes a lot of sense, but uh, it's like I'm not putting that on record. <laughs> but yeah, uh, do you have a justification for looser calls there? Yeah, you do, but I don't know. You did, 
for every one hand like this, there's gonna be a hand, a lot of hands that get you in trouble. But okay, let's say I call the twenty, flop king high, and he barrels again. You just fold. You, I mean, you don't stick okay. around with king nine. Then I mean, you are just hemorrhaging twenty dollars, right? Yeah, but you know, I mean, when he pays it off, I I like it. Well, I mean, he paid it <laughs> off, and it was good. So that that hand I love. Well, I mean, or I'll call him more, maybe not with the king nine, it's not the best, but, you know, with, like, shoot a connector, stuff like that. Oh, no, completely different story. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah, with with straight possibilities, flush possibilities, and just not dominate, yeah, 100%, yeah, I agree. Yeah, king nine, probably, like, yeah, I can agree, probably the worst hand you can show up with. Yeah. But, yeah, more like, I mean, shoot a connectors versus that, those type of players and stuff like that will just pay off greatly, it seems like. Oh, well, deep stack, I mean, you can justify a lot more than you can. Because, I mean, if you, like, if I'm going to do this, I really want a lot of, like, hands that can make the nuts. Like, I mean, at least 5-6. It can flop, you know, 3-4-7 right. or something. But, I mean, hell, in this, like, like if you know what you're up against, yeah, dude, I think you have pretty good odds to do this, obviously, because, I mean, shit, you got paid off a shitload for doing it. So, hard to say you should have folded here and not got $1,500. So, yeah, uh, I'll go with that. Well, especially if you know it's a player incapable of getting away. Uh, That's the thing. If it's yeah, a player true. who's capable, then it's not. It's, it's horrible, right? Because it should be a fold every time on that jam. Yeah, that was my thought. Is like, I mean, that jam is just, I don't know what in the hell you would ever think you're beating there. I mean, exactly. you're really hoping. I mean, king-queen seems... Talk about overplay. Well, I don't know. This is a dude who just overplayed King Queen last night. So, <laughs> shit. Maybe I am. Maybe I am that guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was that was a pretty interesting hand. Um, and I guess topic to kind of go out on is um, I had an interesting hand where I had pocket queens in a four bet pot, and um, you know, I mean, I guess kind of like this hand, I got super lucky and spiked my queen. But you two have kind of ran into some weird four bet pots because it always seems to be aces, right? I mean, uh, well, I don't know because no, not really for me. I mean, I always seem to think it's aces. I will say that. Uh, I've been running up into it a lot with jacks. So it happened in Vegas. I three bet with jacks at the Aria and then got four bet. Did not realize how much odds I had and folded, and it probably should have been a call. I don't know. It was it was close either way. Uh, it happened again when I, the first night I was at five five when I go with jacks and I get a four bet for all in. Uh, I folded, and he did show ace king. Yeah, it's been I've been running into it. A, I guess especially when I I guess when I three bet with jacks because you don't have blockers to aces or kings, is kind of tough. Uh, and I, I don't think there's many four bet bluffs, which leads me to the, you're kind of in a weird spot because if you call in your right, then you're still losing fifty percent of the time. When you call in your wrong, you're losing eighty percent of the time. So it's it's kind of a, been a tough spot for me lately. Well, I mean, I could very briefly go over the hand for you. I mean, I had queens. I three bet to hundred and got four bet to four twenty five. If you have queens, are you ever folding? Yeah, I would say sometimes I'm folding. Uh, I would say I'm not folding every time, though. Uh, I think... 
I don't know. I mean, it's a tough spot. I, I think there's times I fold, sometimes I call. I mean, I was as close to folding as I've ever been and then called, so. Uh, and then, you know, the short pitch of it is you hit a set of at queens to crack aces. Yeah, but I, like, like you said, that doesn't really matter. I mean, you still put 425 in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah mean, without a doubt. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you either have odds to, you right. know, hit your one out of, you know, one out of ten or so to hit set. Uh, I don't know. It's the four bet. The four bet pots are very tough. Are very tough. As I've been three betting more, you're running into that more and more, especially at the tougher and tougher games. I mean, but it also depends on the player and table. Because at one three, I think it's just an automatic fold if you get four bet. Uh, I think it's aces or king. I think a lot of times it's ace king that might would just call. Uh, as it's gone up in limits, I think you have to have that calling range a little bit more. Man, I'll tell you what. Even dealing with three bets, or dealing with three bets, ace queen is just never the move to have in a three bet pot. Oh, one three. I hate ace queen in a in a three bet pot. If it's someone who's three, it's very difficult because. If it's three bet from somebody who never three bets, it's an automatic fold. Uh, if it's a three bet from somebody who three bets a lot, it's either a call or maybe a four bet. Well, here's my issue with it. Wait, you're four betting ace queen? Sometimes I tell you what, like I mean, like when I was at two uh, two five in Vegas or some of these very deep stack games where they're three betting a lot, I. I haven't yet because I don't feel like I've needed to, but I think in some of these tougher deep stack games, you do need a four bet bluff sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, true. I mean, not in the games we're used to. I mean, you're burning money if you're doing that. But as you get in more and more aggressive games, I feel like you do need that in your arsenal. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like every time I call a bet with ace queen, it's just burning money. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's definitely the move to fold usually in these because I mean you're gonna run it, you're gonna see Ace King so many so often. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess on that note, I'll end another podcast talking about not calling three bets with Ace Queen. Hopefully, next week I'll come back with a story of how I called a three bet with Ace Queen again. Maybe, yeah, maybe you'll be good. Maybe keep trying it. Eventually, you're gonna be good. <laughs> That's, I mean, one of the times I'm going to crack it, I'll come back and I'll say, you know what? I was wrong all these episodes. Go ahead and make the call. There Put the go. four bit in like Clint. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This concludes the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.